Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast with your official source for a lack of insight and for basis opinion. Today is August 3rd, 2020. This is episode 302. My name is Scott Magnus. And I'm Jake English. And in this week's show, we'll bear our souls to all of you. That's right. And we'll also annoy very, very many of you. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the drink of the week. Jake, what are you imbibing on this evening? Well, Scott, uh, you've caught me in an awkward awkward position because I'm, I'm actually <clears throat> at the end of one beverage and about to start another. I am finishing a fine product called, um, let me just see if I pronounce this correctly, Bud Light Lime. Okay. Uh, because it is hot and, uh, and I like green things. But I, I also, Scott, have become the victim of marketing. And so when I was at the, the local uh, beverage store, I picked up a bottle of Aviation Gin. Uh, which I've I've seen a few commercials for, and I have to tell you, Scott, I am under impressed. I'm under impressed. So what you're saying is, uh, flashy gimmicks and steady marketing isn't the way to make a gin. Well, I mean, I don't know the right way to make a gin, but I know this is not it. I, I know the way to make a gin. Um, it's pretty simple. Um, you put it into a glass, um, and you put some tonic water on top. And uh, you might put a cucumber and or a, uh, a lime into it, and uh, you have a good good time with it. So uh, I'm going to work my way to the end of the bottle and see if I have a different opinion by the time I'm done. So not, you're, not tonight during the show. I'm so just is it bad or is it just meh? It's just meh. Okay, so it's just basically generic gin that is in a fancy bottle. Yeah, it's it's you know Tuesday night gin. Gotcha. So you're just upset with yourself that you went out and bought something that you could have bought something else. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure. Uh, Jake, I'm drinking a vibrant potion this evening. Uh, it's from Dogfish Head. <laughs> I was going to say, what are you at Hogwarts? Uh, it, I am at Hogwarts. Um, and it's a collaboration between Dogfish Head and Rodenbach. Um, nice little sour. Um, got a kind of an elderberry note with it too. Kettle sour that's been aged for two years. Um, nice little kind of sessional sour. Um, not too strong. Um, both from an ABV standpoint, but also a tartness, um, a little bit of a dry tart to it. Um, heavy citrus notes to the whole thing. Um, but yeah, nice, nice little beverage um, for, for a summer night. Sure. I mean, it's, it's fine, but it's no Bud Light Lime. Uh, it is no Bud Light Lime. There, there's no question about that. <laughs> on that, we can agree. Yeah. Uh, uh, on, uh, if you want to know what we're drinking on a daily basis, you can follow us on Untapped. I'm at MEGN8606. I'm at Jake E4025. And with that... Let's go to the medical wing. Time for your checkup, time for your checkup. I'm going to check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. going to listen to your heartbeat, fix you up, ready to go. Time for your checkup. <laughs> it's okay if you giggle. This will only Scott, the medical wing is filling up a little bit. Um... And there's probably a hospitalizations joke in there somewhere, but I'm going to let it go and just go to the tape. Uh, so let's start with Jose Iglesias. He's still got a quad ouchie, but he is available off the bench uh, only for offense, though. So I guess a good sign. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's not that big of a deal. Um, I, I think everything will be OK. Uh, like I said, this is classic 
uh, JJ Hardy 2.0 syndrome. Um, we'll get through this. Uh, next, when you say JJ Hardy 2.0 syndrome, do you mean that I will grow to love him? Absolutely. No question about it. I, I already love Jose Iglesias. There's no question. Uh, next one was Chris Davis. Um, he was out for a few days with a sinus infection, but disappeared after also being reported of a fever. Uh, it was decidedly not COVID. Um, and it was available off the bench. Um, you know, strange enough, you know, Chris Davis broke out into the lyrics of, I get a fever. <laughs> oh my, you know, it's <laughs> that, that would be a good one to, uh, to go into the, the birds of you sings category. Uh, absolutely. Uh, next is Rio Ruiz, uh, a name that I can say out loud, uh, who has apparently some shoulder inflammation and was held out of the game the other day. Uh, I'm hoping that that is, is a short term deal, uh, because he's actually having himself quite a hot start and I would like to see him in the lineup. And that is a statement I was not sure I was ever going to say. Yeah. Um, I, I really hope Rio Ruiz is going to be okay. I, I really like seeing him smash some dongs um, out of the park. No question about it. Um, somewhat, I guess, pseudo-medical wing, but not really, in my opinion. Cole Stewart's opting out. It, it sounds like this is just an availability um, where the Orioles were not going to call on him. So oh, he, no. This was this was medically related. He opted out for COVID because of his pre-existing condition of type 1 diabetes. Uh, you say that. Uh, I think it was a situation where he went to a few buoy establishments and he's just like, this isn't going to work anymore. <laughs> okay. maybe, maybe for the diabetes, actually, just for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So the, the Orioles, you know, a little banged up, but nothing terrible just yet. Uh, we'll have to keep an eye on it and hopefully those uh, those numbers come down. Yeah. All right. Let's go to 280 characters or less this week on the Twitter. So, Jake, my first question to you is, what hosiery are you going with? And this tweet comes from the 1970 Orioles Daily Report. Uh, you just get it in a paper, whether it's the morning edition or the evening edition. Um, <laughs> and uh, the tweet goes as follows. Feels like there is a consensus. The first look here is classic. The second one, one more beauty in the eye of the beholder. Am I right, Jim 22 Palmer? And it's a uh, picture of Jim Palmer, legs up in the air and stretched out um one easy the, whoa whoa yeah, listen it, this is a more PG, context buddy this is a pg-13 broadcast uh the first <laughs> picture is uh an orange orioles uniform with the smiling bird uh white pants um some stirrups going i'd say halfway up the ankle jake um some orange stirrups and the other one of course is the you know fabulous completely orange outfit with some black stirrups so so jake um you know what? What uniform are you, you know, going with? I know you are an expert in fashion. Um, you know, which one are you partaking in at this given time? Well, to answer your first question about hosiery, I got to go with the orange stirrups over black. Absolutely. But, but when it comes to the full look, the total ensemble, I got to go with the orange pants. I would love to see that look come back. I, I do like the orange pants, and I do, you know, think that, you know, as we talked last week about the Friday ensembles um, and the O's hat, I think coming back with an entire orange ensemble would be a much better um, wake-up call for a Friday. However, I will say that seeing Palmer in in white pants and just the classic orange jersey, uh, it's a, a sense of Orioles nostalgia um, sure. that I think I'm going to have to go with more so than just the all-orange jersey and uh, all-orange no, pants. I, I, I think you're right. I acknowledge my wrong and just... 
I embrace the garishly beautiful, whereas you've gone with classic. And, I, uh, I, I'm not going to fault you for that. I will also admit too, the hosiery in the one picture is is money. Like the leg up in the air and the hosiery going halfway up the ankle. Oh. By the way, very 508 compliant of you to describe both pictures. Appreciate that, buddy. No problem. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take the next one because I'm still catching my breath over here. <laughs> Our next tweet comes from Connor Newcomb, who, of course, tweets at Connor Newcomb underscore, which I, I assume is a pause. I think you're supposed to say Connor Newcomb. Pause. Pause. If Dwight Smith Jr. can hit a laser onto the flag cord off of Garrett Cole while wearing a mask. You can wear one to Walmart. I think that's a good point. Um, and I think I can say with with some level of certainty that I think it's as likely for me to want to rush to a Walmart at times like this as it's likely that I would hit a laser to the flag cord off of Garrett Cole. That, that sounds accurate. But yeah, I mean, seriously, if anybody, if they can do it, Put a mask on. It's as simple as that. All right. The next tweet comes from Craig Calcaterra, who, of course, tweets at Craig Calcaterra. Some personal news, colon. After 11 plus years at NBC, hardball talk is officially no more, and I'm out with it. I want to thank NBC at NBC Sports for a hell of a ride and hardball talk readers for riding along. My ride's not over, uh, though. Update soon, and you're not rid of my opinions just yet. Here's the thing. Um... I can't tell whether I love reading Craig Calcaterra or I hate reading Craig Calcaterra. Isn't that the brand and, though? Like, like that's his brand, I think. Like, yeah, and I, and I think that he would be okay with that, right? Yeah. I think that he would actually be pretty into that. But I, I will say that um, opinions. Uh, I like the fact that he's strongly opinionated. Um, I don't always agree with him, but I, I love the passion. I love. The approach. I love how open he is um, with with his personal life. You know, you feel like you know the guy, uh, which makes obviously news like this a bummer. You know, journalism, particularly sports journalism, is something where you know you're going to see eleven year runs be less and less frequent. So you know, hopefully we'll get more of him and we'll get more of him soon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think as you pointed out too. Um, when we look for baseball writers or even baseball broadcasters, we're looking for personality. And I think Craig has that personality in terms of his writing style. I mean, being able to, in essence, do daily game, daily game digest uh, uh, to basically inform people what happened while also interspersing little sarcasm comedy in there too, is no easy feat and to do it for 11 years is, is pretty impressive. Um, But again, I think this is just evidence of, you know, writing in general is starting to fall to the wayside um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with blogs um, and news sites going forward um, in this new age. All right. Uh, sure. Next tweet comes from Connor Guisero, Um and uh, he, you can follow him at, well, exactly the same. It's Connor underscore um, Guisero, and um, he tweets as follows. Would we have a fifth inning stretch or is the end of the game the time to stretch? And of course, this was in response to the upcoming doubleheader on Wednesday where the Orioles are going to play back-to-back games with the Miami Marlins, uh, seven innings apiece. Uh, so it's a great question. Um, Jake, do we do a seventh-inning stretch if there's only seven innings? No. No, absolutely not. So when do you do it? In fact, it? we don't move the whole time. Okay. So we just, just sit there. 
like virtual remain on your couch like virtual fans <laughs> yes like cardboard cutouts there is to be no moving i just find this so am- amusing to me because you know these are the kind of pettiness and squabbles that we've had on this podcast and being like well wait a second you're, you know you're reducing the time between innings to two minutes like how is this going to affect thank god i'm a country boy and here's a classic example of being like well, wait a second here like how's this going to affect everything else that goes on um at the game like when does the crap shuffle happen are the Orioles even going to have a chance to play the Beatles during these two games? Like these are, these are the questions that ache and tug at my heartstrings, Jake. Whoa, 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 whoa. I was ready for no, thank God I'm a country boy. Don't put the Beatles on the table or else I'll get emotional about it. You're going to twist and shout. I, I might indeed. <laughs> All right. Uh, and the last treat comes from Sherwood Strauss. Uh, you can follow him at Sherwood Strauss. Um, you know, this is a tweet in regards to MLB uh, ratings recently, and it says MLB really fell off after opening day. In general, both leagues aren't getting the audience one might expect from a nation that's been deprived of entertainment for months. Um, and this was a comparison of both the MLB and NBA numbers that are broadcast on ESPN. Um, it'll be interesting to come back and take more of a look outside of just ESPN, but maybe to more like regional broadcast. But it is odd to me that. You know, fans, We I thought people were going to turn in droves because there's really nothing else on at this given time. And it doesn't look like people are, in essence, doing that. Um, could be small sample size, but Jake, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think it's weird. Um, I, I don't I don't know how to explain that. I don't think that, uh, you know, I, I don't think that there is a lot of competition for entertainment. I, 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 I can't figure it to be honest with you and i don't think this is like a oh well baseball's dying type of deal either um you know it'd be really interesting to see what happens in the next season that they're allowed to play a full um a full season you know fans in the stands because you know is is the fact that the fans can't engage in person uh, a problem i i don't think so you know it shouldn't shouldn't impact uh, people turning on the television. I, I wonder though if the if baseball didn't miss the window where everybody was truly feeling trapped in their house, mm. right? Maybe it's a, a, a portion of the the problem is the fact that people are, are a little bit more brazen about leaving. Gotcha. Um, and and so they don't want to be on their couch. I don't know. I'd be I'd be interested to see you know how it shakes out by the end of the sixty game season. You know, that's a great point in terms of it. Um, you know, I mentioned going out this weekend. It certainly seemed that a lot of folks had um, had a sense of return of normalcy um, in, in terms of getting back to their lives. Um, and again, I'm I'm not too pleased by that. Number one, because I don't like having to interact with people. Um, but number two, just the kind of reluctance to understand that we're in the middle of a pandemic. Um, it, it certainly seems like you're absolutely right, Jake, that we were in a massive wave where everything shut down um, and everyone was aching for something to occur at this given time. And then as baseball returned, people said, uh, and even the NBA, I mean, well, I just won't lay this on baseball's lap. People are like, well, if they can go out and play then I guess we can start returning to normalcy at this given time. Um, and it's just a question of, you know, what's going to happen um, by this given aspect. Um, and there's just a lot of weird um, information. I mean, you know, not so much in Maryland, but we're seeing, you know, several other states starting to climb in terms of numbers. You know, we've got reports coming out, you know, from, you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, indicating that, you know, kids potentially should return to schools in the fall, along with college students, if, you know, proper you know training and testing is available. 
Um, I don't know. It's just like I said, it's a re- weird time. It, it feels like we're like in the eye of a hurricane, just waiting for us to get through this next portion before it hits us again. Well, hey, how uh, how prescient, how how very relevant. Yeah. It it was an interesting week in in Orioles baseball. I don't really know how to make it, sense of it in terms of everything that's going about. Um, and like I said, I don't really know what to make sense of this world in general. Jake, maybe you could straight to me out a little bit and, and tell me some things that you actually know. Scott, the world, the world is a bit of a hostile place right now. There's a lot going on, as you indicated. And, you know, whether or not you are on the right or the wrong side of history, or whether or not you're on the right or the wrong side of science, um, whether, you're not, whether or not you're on the right or the wrong side of apparently the way I fold the laundry, everyone is a little aggressive these days. So you're saying and, that and you there's understand. a right way to be on the right side of the fence and there's a wrong right way to be on the wrong side of the fence. That's that's what I'm saying. Okay, just to make I'm sure. <laughs> but you know, with everybody being a little, you know, aggressive, we'll say, uh, you could understand people being a little hesitant to share their feelings, right? To take a stand. Um, but Scott, I have to tell you something. I have to tell you, I might like watching Tommy Malone pitch, and I was not ready for that. All right, so you did watch him on opening day, right? I did, I did, and I was, um, I was underwhelmed. Okay, not that my expectations for Tommy Malone were great, but so you left that start saying, "All right, that's that's Tommy Malone," and then you watched him this week, and you said, "Hey, that's Tommy Malone." Yeah, here's the thing about Tommy Malone. Um, You know, in comparison to our number one starter, right, who came back and even though the start didn't go well, uh, he was nothing but velocity, right? Unexpected velocity. And everybody's like, ooh, that's cool. Tommy Malone, on the other hand, is enjoyable to watch because this is a guy who, like, aspires to be Jamie Moyer, right? He's throwing uh, Reagan-era fastballs, right? He has to be on point at all times in order to make this work. And every time he has a successful outing, it basically feels like we've stolen something, right? That is the kind of story that if I have to watch a a team that's not going to be good, that I can get into. And I got to be honest, I kind of enjoy watching Tommy Malone pitch. And I, and I hope that I get more days like his second start than his first. But I'll tell you, Getting that second start makes me feel like now that I know he's got it in him, I'm I'm rooting for that every time. Uh, listen, he had a great second start, um, uh, and I completely agree with you on you know whenever we get something positive out of Tommy Malone, we should be clicking our tails together and um, you know thanking everything. I I just don't think on a consistency basis that Tommy Malone has what do we call it the stuff 
um, as it were, to basically be a successful Major League Baseball pitcher. Um, but, you know, I really hope you're right, Jake. I really hope that we can continue to watch Tommy, Tommy Malone and like him pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Scott, I have something else to tell you. After what I saw the other night, I don't feel that Pat Valaika holds a candle to Chris Dickerson. Jake, um, I, I, I regret to inform you, but Chris Dickerson has never opened a burger joint in Minneapolis, Minnesota, ever. <laughs> um, that is true. Be that, be that as it may. Here are the two things that I will say about this. Yes. The, the uh, socially distant uh, celebration, okay, that's fine, that's great, I support being socially distant, but all it is is a cheap knockoff of the jauntiest raising of the roof that you have ever seen, which is Chris Dickerson. But more importantly, Pat Valaika's walk-off, which it was fun and was great and probably won't happen all that often, but his walk-off has nothing on Chris Dickerson's, again, very improbable walk-off, only because of Joe Angel's call. Oh, yeah, I would agree with you about that, that uh, the Chris Dickerson three-run home run walk-off with Joe Angel calling it. Uh, will forever be ingrained in my my head and my memory where a, a Pat Valakia, um, you know, let's call it flare single um, past the second baseman isn't much of anything. You know, Pat Valaika still doesn't really do much for me. Um, he, in essence, looks like he may have um, killed Nate McClough's, um <laughs> put him through a meat grinder at his um, at his restaurant up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and actually consumed his looks um, to a certain regard with that kind of blonde hair. But, you know, past that, that's the only thing I'm really interested in at this given time. That got dark in a hurry. Well, you know, you, you got to grind the meat uh, on occasion. <laughs> How very on brand for bird's eye view. You've got to grind the meat. All right, Scott, I have something to tell you. Uh, this is not the first time that we've seen the Baltimore Orioles as the visiting team at Camden Yards. These games that are upcoming with the Marlins, I, uh, this is not a novel act. Because I have been at Camden Yards when they play the Yankees and the Red Sox, and I know what it feels like to be the visitor at that stadium. Yeah, no, I, I hear you uh, on that. Um, I, I definitely think that being the visiting team in terms of crowd noise and ambiance and audience and stuff like that is a pretty common uh, factor within Camden Yards. But it's going to be really weird at the end of the game uh, when the Orioles like don't come up to bat in the bottom of the ninth. <laughs> like, it's going to be like, wait a second here. Like, what just happened? It, it doesn't make any sense. Like, if the, in essence, the Orioles can't walk it off. I don't know. It's just, it's going to bother me. Like, I'm going to watch the Orioles finish the inning. I'm like, all right, go into the next inning. And I'm going to come back in and watch it and be like, wait a second, we're in the bottom of this inning. Like, what just happened? Um, I don't know. Like I said, it's going to be weird. Um, and like other people have said on Twitter, it's going to be weird baseball all throughout 2020. But this one, this one may be the straw that breaks the camel's back for me. Well, if they're winning, it won't matter. You're right. If they're winning, it, it won't matter. Um, that being said, uh, it's the Orioles. So, uh, weirdness is about to happen. 
Sure, absolutely. Well, Scott, here I am bearing my soul. I mean, is there anything you, you think that you need to tell me? Um, yeah, there, I mean, there's a few things. So, so Jake, um, I have something to tell you. Okay. Uh, I, I kind of like, um, I, I kind of like extra innings. I kind of like the ghost runner at second base. What? It, it kind of is intriguing to me, it, you know, as a, in an aura of, you know, strategy and, you know, weirdness that goes on with, you know, plays the plate and everything. Uh, I think it actually makes a lot of sense. Um, I didn't think I was going to like it. Um, but now watching it a few times, uh, I kind of like it a lot. It kind of reminds me of almost like uh, college football for overtime where they put everyone at like the 25 yard line um, to basically spur the game on to go further. So I kind of like to see it even past this season. I am distinctly <laughs> team not ghost runner. Oh, oh my goodness. Are you just baiting me at this point? No, I, I actually kind of liked it. I, it was actually <sighs> very entertaining. Um, you know, someone even put, uh, on, uh, Twitter saying, and it wasn't an Orioles fan or anything like that, but they said that, um, when there's extra innings like that, it's a classic example of like almost like red zone, in the NFL, where like games should immediately be turned over to that. So I keep, I think back to like MLB Network where they do like the, you know, let's tune into this game. I think that would be a great opportunity for, you know, folks to be following along with, you know, the MLB Network and the, and the, and the show. Um, and then be like, oh, we've got an extra innings game. Let's tune in to see what actually happens. I, I think it makes a lot of sense for the, you know, the instant gratification uh, moments uh, that we'd love to see. I I am not a fan at all. First of all, I'm not a fan because I love the 15 inning games. Uh, I am the one person that wants more baseball all the time. Uh, second, I, I am totally down for weirdness, and I'm totally okay with the fact that they've done it this season because this season is already just ridiculous. But um, I I do not I do not care for this. I just at feel like we're all. going to get into like a weird situation at some point where like somebody is going to come up in extra innings with two outs and he's the person's going to be like a really good like speedster and the manager's going to be like hey just get out and the guy's going to be like what do you mean just get out just get out and he's like we'll come back next inning and you'll be at second base (laughs) and then it'll be like on a single that means you'll get you'll come home immediately like this is not an issue like we have a better chance of pushing you across the plate with zero outs and you on second base than we do with you basically batting with two outs. I think, and and also conversely, you might get, uh, pitchers intentionally walking the speedsters and trying to get out the next guy. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I think this is what I'm saying is I think there is going to be an element of, you know, similar to Buck Showalter intentionally walking Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. I think we're (laughs) going to see crazy stuff at, that we've never seen before, and it's going to be glorious. Um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think there's going to be some fun moments um, in whatever remains of this MLB season. Here's what I think they need to do instead. All right, I do not like the Ghost Runner. I, I do not like it. But but think about this: What if in extra innings, the defensive team had to remove a single player from the field, and each extra inning they had to remove another one? Right. So maybe in the 10th inning, they come up without a third baseman because they're facing three lefties. Yeah. Or maybe they decide to go to two outfielders 
And so eventually, you know, you just get to the point where you've got a pitcher and a catcher. Right. And, or the Orioles just be like, you know what? We're not going to put a pitcher out there as our defense. <laughs> We're going to put the T. We're going to put a T out here. It'll go perfectly fine. Just go for it. <laughs> All right. Well, we vehemently disagree on this, Scott. Uh, and I didn't know that about you. But I do have to tell you something. Okay. I love the Orioles. Do you? But I don't think that any of our players are interesting enough to go AWOL like Ioannis Cespedes. Hmm. Uh, I do agree with you that um, I don't think there's anybody on our team right now um, that would be like, yeah, I'm going to opt out. There is one person, though, that I think you know may get to a certain point where they're just like, COVID, I'm not going to take the risk anymore. And that's Brandon Hyde. Well, Brandon Hyde's just like, you know what? This team is so bad. I- I'm just going to, in essence, say, I don't want to risk myself anymore. I'm going to step away from the team. <laughs> I, when I read that, <laughs> that Suspettis had, had just gone AWOL, I was like, oh, here's a great shtick. Let's think of the reason that each of our players just didn't show up to, to the game. And then I was like, I actually... Can't think of anybody that would do that. So you're saying like Hanser Roberto decides to go AWOL for the rest of the season because no other left-handed pitchers will throw to him. (laughs) Right, right. But like, you know, in the days where we had Jones, it would be like, oh, uh, he's at Abbey Burger and won't show up. Or like there's no, I feel like, I feel like our players aren't that interesting. So you're saying they're just a, you know, a, a a random mass of people um, that have in essence been ground together to form some semblance of a, a player. I have something to tell you. Okay. Despite not having seen one yet, I am not a fan of the idea of seven inning doubleheaders. Yeah. I, I, I'm very interested to see um, how the game flow goes on Wednesday, but as much as I loved extra innings, I don't know if I'm going to like seven inning doubleheaders unless, again, some wackiness comes out of it. Um, but I don't think any wackiness comes out of it. Here's a thought that I did have, though, in, in regards to um, this this doubleheader that the Orioles and the Marlins are doing um, uh, on, on Wednesday. So obviously the Orioles are the home team, and then they become the away team um, at, at a later point. What if the Orioles say, hey, we're going to start a pitcher. We're going to bring in a relief pitcher. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're actually going to have that relief pitcher who's a long man basically pitch two innings in the first game, and then he's going to pitch two innings to start off the first game. I don't know. It's just it's not it's not uh, not your thing. I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to avoid saying it's not real baseball, but like in a season where we're already questioning the legitimacy of the outcome, uh, holding seven inning games is is just it's just not. Is just not the same game. So you're saying it's little league is is what you're trying to tell me. I am. I am indeed, and that and not just because I'm watching the Baltimore Orioles. Instead of doing seven innings, how would you feel about during the eighth inning and ninth inning we having a ghost runner on second base? <laughs> Only if we can remove players from the field. Okay. Oh my goodness. Um, anything else that you have to tell me? You know, I'm trying to decide if there's anything else I got to get off my chest. I, I think I think there's just one last thing that I, I felt the need to tell you about, Scott, um, just to share with you. And, and that is that if, if we're going to watch the Orioles blow 
uh, late inning leads to the Yankees. I think I can make peace with that as long as it's not Glaber Torres. So I hear you on this one. I'm glad that Glaber Torres is not owning us as bad as he did last year. Um, but a part of me is also like, I don't really mind if Glaber Torres was going to, in essence, take us to the woodshed. Um, <laughs> be, be, because Gary Thorne isn't here this year. And the only, you know, great thing about Glaber Torres, you know, in essence, owning us last year was Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer losing their gosh darn mind, especially Gary Thorne losing their gosh darn mind. Like, why are you throwing to him? What are you doing? You're a bunch of idiots if you're going to throw to him again. Oh, they just threw him a fastball. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and a part of me, I think, is, you know, that Judge is a great player. You know, it doesn't surprise me that we blew a lead to him. Um, but the other standpoint is, like, listening to the broadcast with, like, Scott Garceau, it, it lacks any emotional feel for me at this given time. Um, so, again, I... Now, re- is, is the lack of emotional uh, reaction, though, because following the Orioles for this long has left you dead inside? Oh, no, of course not. I, I am very much alive inside. Um, you know, Pat Valakia's meat burgers that he's given me have, you know, filled me with life and vigor. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't mind Ben McDonald's. You know, I like Big Ben, even though, you know, he he strays a little to the right. Um, but, I, like I said, Scott Garso just doesn't do it for me whatsoever. Um, and I've given it time. And um, I'm ready to put him out to pasture. I'm ready to send him to Pat Valakia's Meat Burgers um, in, in Minnesota um, and just you know see what happens of it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know, I, I appreciate you, you know, just letting me bear my soul. Because, again, it was, it was starting to build up. And, and I feel like it's important in these times that we share. We, it's important that we share, Scott. Well, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because there's something that has been bothering me as well. Um, and if we're going to do this podcast and we're going to do it right, um, I think it's important that, um, well, I get this off my chest. So Jake, I have something to tell you. This podcast hasn't been the same lately. Um, I know we've been doing it for nine years. I know we just cost episode 300, but I don't know. Like I said, doing this podcast, watching the Orioles, doing everything, it just doesn't feel the same. I, I feel like there's something missing some kind of, you know, musical entertainment that could, you know, bring me to the forefront and help me to recognize that there are things that I miss uh, on a daily basis of watching the Orioles. If only there was something we could do about it. Once upon a time when there was baseball Back when we could watch the O's rebuild Escapism and joy for two or three hours And time was the only thing that was ever killed Those were the days, my friend We thought they'd never end Cheered our birds forever and a day We'd attend the games we choose And the O's would usually lose But it's Baltimore And that's always the way La 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 la
quaint to think we called those days dark ages by judging wins and losses on the field. No stupid culture wars, just sports rivalries, and no one cared for anybody needed. Those Days, my friend, we thought they'd never end. We cheered the birds forever and a day. We'd attend the games we choose, and the O's would usually lose. But it's Baltimore, and that's always the way. La 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 la. Things are different Nothing seems the way it used to be We'll get 60 games if we are lucky Don't you miss functioning society Those were the days, my friend We thought they'd never end we cheered our birds forever and a day. We'd attend the games we choose, and the O's would usually lose. But in Baltimore, that's always the way. La 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 problems here than baseball After all, it's just a silly game Oh, my friends, I hope we come out wiser Or future seasons might fail just the same Bring back those days, my friend And may they never end Cheer the birds forever and a day. We'll attend the games we choose, and though the O's might lose, looking from here, those will be the days. La 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 la
All right, folks, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. So, Jake, I'm going to let you take it off this week and, um, you know, start us off with your first good. All right, my good for the week is wins. I love watching the Orioles win. I, I mean, this season is in many ways preposterous and in other ways just a total gift. A gift. Uh, and it's nice in, you know, a time where, you know, it's great just to sit down and watch a baseball game. It's even better when the Orioles win. Yeah. And I've been really surprised by, you know, it's just only eight games, but they won more than they've lost. And I just am really digging watching the Orioles win. Now, I, you know, maybe it won't always happen, but it's been really good to see. So I, the good for me this week is the wins. I completely agree. I mean, I am shocked that the Orioles um, completed a three-game sweep uh, against the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way that would have come into the season and someone said, hey, uh, the Orioles are going to get a sweep. I'd be like, maybe. Like, maybe they'll get like a two-game sweep somewhere here, where there. But like, if someone came to me and said, they're going to have a three-game sweep. I'd be like, I don't think that's going to happen. And specifically, if they would have said against the Rays, I would have been like, zero chance. So you know, kudos to the Orioles. They played some really good baseball um, this past weekend, both defensively, um, good pitching, as we talked about, and just some really good clutch hitting. Like I said, it was overall a, a really good weekend of baseball. Um, and you know, I don't think we're going to see much of that for the rest of the season. Um, but I completely agree. We sh- we need to celebrate the wins as they occur because I think they're going to be few and far between. Uh, Jake, my good for the week goes to Renato Nunez, um, who posted up two home runs this week uh, with a 219 weighted runs created plus. I, I could have given it to Hanser Alberto, um, but Renato Nunez being my my home run pick uh, for the Baltimore Orioles and for Major League Baseball, I don't think that's going to come quite to fruition but it was good to see him um, get back into um, the right kind of swing category and put a few balls over the fence. So my good for the week goes to Renato Nunez. Yeah. I mean, with those wins, I feel like there were a lot of candidates for the good this week. So yeah, uh, I I like what I'm seeing. All right. For the bad this week, I'm going to say that the bad has been that 2012 feeling. Whoa, whoa, that 2012 feeling. No, um, what I mean by that is we spent a good deal of the 2012 season waiting for the other foot to drop, right? Yeah, the Orioles are competitive, but clearly it's not going to happen, right? It's going to be just like 2005, right? Um, and it wasn't really until September and and into September, right, where fans were allowing themselves to, to even hope. And I think that the the 2012 feeling is twofold. First, that the Orioles have this, you know, nice little start where they've got a, a sweep of the Rays who are struggling and therefore over 500. But you think to yourself, well, that that can't last. And then the, the other thing looming is, you know, the potential of the, the season ending. And so, you know, you wonder just how much you're going to get. I, so much in this world feels unsettled. But right now with the Orioles, I have that 2012 feeling. And uh, that's not so good. Yeah, I mean, there is a conversation today in terms of like, uh, you know, run differential. Um, the Orioles are currently in the negative uh, for the entire season, even though they have a positive record. Um, you're right. It does have a very 2012 feel. Um, and again, it does have some really good clutch performances that, you know, have occurred. I, however, I would also come back, you know, before the season even started, we specifically called out and said, hey, the Orioles are more than likely going to have an okay first week of the season. They were going to go to the Red Sox and the Marlins. 
uh, for four games. And I said, there's a good chance that, you know, after, you know, seven or eight games that the Orioles are going to be okay. Um, I, I thought they were going to be around, maybe around, you know, 500. And people are going to be like, hey, they're not as bad as we thought. And then they were going to run to the Yankees and then they were going to get demolished. Um, and I think, you know, we have seen that. I, I know that the Orioles kept it close in that second game against the Yankees. But but in reality, when we watch those games against the Yankees, you can just see the talent disparity that still is present on this team versus the Yankees. And the Yankees are just such a good team, um, you know, just in terms of how they do their plate approach, just how they approach the whole game. Um, and I hate to say that as an Orioles fan, um, but but overall, I, I look at the Orioles, and uh, as you point out from the good, it's great that they're winning. Um, but even over a 60-game season, um, I think it's going to be um, some disappointment for a lot of fans coming up uh, in terms of how the offense performs, um, but also how the starting pitching and relief pitchers perform over a longer season. Who do you think has circled their calendar more? The Marlins looking to get well on the Orioles or the Orioles? Oh, that's a that's a poor phrasing. The the Marlins looking to take uh, some easy wins from the Orioles or the Orioles looking to take some easy wins from the Marlins? I don't think people really care out one way or the other. Um, I, I do know that the Yankees, I'm sure, keep circling games against the Orioles and saying, hey, MLB, if you if you want to keep rescheduling the schedule to have the Orioles and us play, like, that'd be great. We're, we're all okay with that. Um, like I said, we'll, we'll get these Marlins games in. Um, I think that the Orioles will probably win two, maybe three more games out of it. I think people are still going to be riding the high of that. Uh, I still come back to, uh, I think the there's going to be a hole at the bottom of the barrel really quickly. Um, and, um, you know, the Orioles are going to show their true colors sooner rather than later. Sorry, to, sorry to be a Debbie downer, but that's the case. Um, my bad for the week goes to John means, uh, I was really looking forward to seeing what John means had coming back into the starting rotation. Um, had really poor change of command, um, through his entire start. And again, that's his money pitch. Um, weirdness going about with like an elevated velocity. He was throwing 96 miles per hour, I don't know if that's the new, um, you know, tracking velocity issues that we talked about before in terms of some of the stat cast data and stuff like that, but just really odd. Um, you know, hopefully John means comes back and he's, you know, got a better feel for his pitching mechanics, um, a little bit better feel for the ball. Um, I think it's interesting to see a lot of people write off John means and instead focus on folks like Tommy Malone or, or the wrong. Um, but I, I just, like I said, for as much as people, you know, are getting excited right now over just one start or two starts from people, I think it's interesting how quickly people have thrown John Means to the wayside and be like, well, he's not going to do anything this season. I think there's plenty of opportunity for John Means. And I will say, too, that if we continue to see an elevated velocity and he gets that change of command back, he could be really good this year. Um, again, it just gets he needs to get that feel back for the change up as soon as possible. Fair enough. All right, my ugly is going to go to me, Scott. I watched the game the other night against the Rays, and, I mean, this could go back into the, the uh, I have to tell you something, territory, but I really enjoy watching Kevin Kiermeyer play center field. Dude is super talented, and we get to see him a bunch. He puts on a show out in center field. And so the other night, uh, Anthony Santander hit a ball into center field, Kiermaier went up to go get it. It bounced off his glove. The Orioles uh, were credited with a home run. And here's where things get ugly. Part of me was disappointed. 
because I love watching that guy play defense so much that when it didn't work out for him, part of me was like, oh, that's a bummer. You, you know what and I said? I was like, wait, wait, wait. You know what I said when he it bounced off his glove? Uh, I said to myself, oh my gosh, Kevin Kiermeyer has hit the point that, you know, folks hit in their 30s and stuff like that are like, they no longer can make that jump. They no longer can make that extremely athletic play. Um, whereas, you know, play like that from two years ago, Kevin Kiermaier would have been on top of that fence and basically catching that ball. I was shocked that that ball bounced off his glove, like absolutely flabbergasted um, that it happened. But uh, again, it was for the positive for the Orioles. I'm not necessarily saying I felt bad about it like you did, Jake. Um, I was just really surprised. Well, you're not ugly this week, Scott, and that's what's your saving grace. Yeah. Again, it, it's weird to me. Like, you're right. Episode of like, I, I've had a, a fondness for Kevin Kiermaier in terms of his defensive prowess. Um, we've seen plenty of plays that he have ma- that he has made. There's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he got to that ball. You know, his defensive range and everything has been so impressive. And, you know, seeing the defensive decrease in terms of some of those kind of star-like players that are out there in the past um and, and you don't see it every day um you look back on it and you're just like oh that's how that player plays now like what happened um and it kind of gives a greater you know respect to some of those players like the mike trouts and everything like that um who continue to basically be dominant every single season um they play um yeah i mean I don't know. Maybe just a bad game for Kevin Kiermaier, but it, it certainly struck the chord of, oh my God, Jake, we're getting old. Well, it certainly wasn't a good look for me. I'll, I'll give it that much. Yeah. Uh, my ugly for the week is going to go to Austin Hayes. Um, he's played some great defense, in my opinion, but at the plate, being the leadoff hitter, um, he, he's struggling uh, immensely. You know, this past week, he uh, had an average of 0.53, an on-base percentage of 143, you know, this prompted Brandon Hyde to say, you know, we're going to you know, sit him for a game just to kind of get him back on track. Um, Austin Hayes needs to figure out what's going on. I mean, I know this is um, a big season for him um, in terms of, you know, being given center field. Um, but yeah, this is really concerning going forward. I mean, we were really hoping that this was going to be the season where Austin Hayes, in essence, took off um, and really you know, exemplified maybe not being, you know, at the top of the order. Um, but at least being in that top five. Um, and it doesn't look like Austin Hayes is doing that. Love the defense so far, but I really hope that he you know, gets the eye for the ball back. Again, small sample size. It's only been almost two weeks of baseball, um, but I'm really hoping that you know, Austin Hayes gets together the plate. But for the time being, Austin Hayes, you're ugly. If Austin Hayes has to move down in the lineup, who do you put at the top? Um... You know, I think I'm probably putting maybe someone like Hanser Alberto um, at the top. Again, I really don't care so much about speed. I just want people who get on base. Um, might be an interesting person. I, I'd actually like to see more Chancisco. Um, you know, I, I, I understand what Severino is bringing to the plate and everything like that, but I do kind of want to see what Chancisco can do more often of. Um, but yeah, I mean... Dwight Smith Jr. might be another person to try out um, at that top of the lineup, but there's there's few and far between, which is why it's a really good opportunity uh, for someone like Austin Hayes to really make it his own. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Scotty, it's probably that time. It's time to go ahead and blow the save. 
Scott, I thought we could blow the save by maybe saying a quick farewell to arms and talk about the fact that this week the Orioles traded Richard Blyer to the Miami Marlins, uh, apparently because they were mad at him, uh, but they traded him uh, for a player to be named later. What do you think of the the trade, the timing, the the content, all of it? So I, I come back to the point that has been made by a bunch of folks of, you know, Richard Blyer was not going to be a – uh, part of the puzzle, as it were, um, you know, a, a nice person to have around in the clubhouse, but not part of the solution um, when and if the Orioles are back into potential playoff contention in 2023 and 2024. We've got plenty of people on the 40-man roster and or the 60-man roster um, that can kind of fill that spot. So as much as, you know, I'm going to, you know, miss Richard Blyer and appreciate some of his contributions, at the same point, it, it doesn't break my heart yeah yeah no you know he's he's a nice guy you know he's a pretty good pitcher but not not worth being that upset over um it'll be interesting to see what the orioles get back from him um you know i think that the player we name later is is pretty standard particularly with the rules in place about who you can and cannot trade for you know uh with this weird 2020 season um, so it'll be interesting to see what the Orioles organization has in mind for what they'd like to get back for him. And, uh, you know, I joked about it earlier, but kind of a bummer for Blyer to be traded, um, you know, to a team that, that has had a COVID history, you know, going to a, a place that's a bit of a hot spot. Um, yeah, it's got to be a little bit of a bummer. Um, also, you know, going from a team that's that's rebuilding uh, to another team that's not necessarily in contention either. Also a bummer for Richard Blyer. But again, you know, a tip of the cap. Thanks for everything you did here in Baltimore. And we'll see you later for your replacement. And that, that is our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, google podcast and many others please remember to rate and view the show we appreciate the feedback and it encourages other people to listen for the first time come and get social with us you can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com you can find us on social media on instagram on facebook and on snapchat but the best way to get a hold of us is on twitter where we tweet at birdseyeview b-a-l and with that baltimore and beyond i'll bid you all a fond Adieu, adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. And let's go O's. Alrighty. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.